Hello there, podcast fans, and welcome to episode 137 of the Agile Pubcast. Yes, Jeff and I are back in the pub again, and we found a very interestingly named pub called The Dumb Post, just outside a town called Carl in Wiltshire. And this was the first time I'd met up with Jeff since I attended the Lisbon Scrum Gathering uh, a couple of weeks back, so this was the chance for me to catch up with him and share with him my thoughts on that. We talked about the Scrum Alliance strategy and their new um, managing director. We also talked about the conference itself, the venue and the community and the sense of community that the Scrum Alliance has. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you're keeping well. Um, and all we ask really is tell a friend about the podcast. Maybe there's someone that you think might be interested in the gathering and what, what was learned there. Uh, maybe you think they'd be interested in the other episodes that we've got available. And also watch this space because we've got a secret Christmas project coming very soon. You can probably guess what it is, but I'm pretty sure that as podcast patrons, you'll be the first people to know about it when it comes along. So keep your eyes peeled for Christmas uh, when a little treat is coming your way. Enough from me. Uh, let's get on with it. Let's play the jingle. Hello. Hello, everyone. Cheers, everyone. Oh. Welcome back to the pub. Bit of Atomic Kitten in the background. Yeah. <laughs> That's one for the video Video uh, viewers amongst us. Yep. We're at the Burnt Post. No. We're at the Dumb Post. That's the one. I said that, because I, I, I looked, I Googled the wrong thing. That's what it is. It's not the Burnt Post at all. The Burnt Post is in commentary. Is it? Um, we're at the Dumb Post. We need to find out why it's called the Dumb okay. Post, Jeff. I'll Google that while you tell us about Me and games. Jeff did one of our typical things here. We looked at the map, we looked at a place where we could meet, and I picked a pub that sounded interesting, had an interesting name. Well, I found the area because of a childish thing. On the maps it said New Zealand, so I thought we could do a pubcast from New Zealand. What was all that about? What is well, it? I don't know, there's an area around here called New Zealand. So we're just outside in the outskirts of Chippenham in Wiltshire, um, and very near a little town called Carl, C-A-L-E-N-E, and it's a, a pub with a beautiful view out the back, kind of a terrace, um, we're not outdoors today because it's a bit rainy, but, yes, um, but it is a very picturesque view. Any news, Jeff? Any? Uh... Nothing on their website at the oh, moment. Okay. The dumb post suggests to me something, something about talk, <clears throat> coming at a place where people come to talk. Something about talking and listening, I'm thinking. Okay. Are we anywhere near that? That's what I'd say. History of the Dumb Post Inn, okay. Here we go. Hold the line, callers. Maybe other... I'll sing to you while Jess... The Dumb Post Inn is situated where four roads meet. It has 15th century origins. It used to be two buildings. A brew house with stables and a coaching inn. Venue for local auctions and hunt meets. Derivation of the Dump Post name is open to conjecture. However, it's claimed that the old through road by the pub was used by the Bristol to London mail coach. Locally, if you wanted to send a letter, then you put on the post. Put it on the post, okay? 
who posted the letter. The mail coach would collect it and deliver it, charging for the number of miles it had travelled. The letter to Bath cost more than one to London. Really? Because the Bristol London coach took the letter to London and delivered it to Bath in return. <laughs> that sounds quite dumb. Uh, yeah, so when the mail route was changed, the actual post was left standing, but as the mail coach didn't collect from it, it was a dumb post. Oh, I see. It was a redundant. Yes. There so it was go. like a postal uh, system. Yeah, the mail coach. Mm. 1400s. Wow. There you go. There you go. Very good. And you've got a... What are you drinking? Thatcher's Haze. I've got a local... Well, local. Somerset cider. Thatcher's Haze. And I'm drinking a rare breed, because I am a rare breed. Yeah. That's Adam Adam Henson's rare breed. Yeah. Adam, Adam Henson, he's up near you, isn't he? Well, he owns a farm park, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah and Cotswold far, Wildlife far, Farm likes, Park. Likes having his name on things. Mm. He did, wasn't he on the BBC? Didn't he do some BBC programme? Some he? vet or something. Yeah. yeah. Adam Henson. A local celebrity, I guess. Yes. That's and that's his, that's a Buckcomb beer, isn't it? But it's yeah. one of his. Just put his name on it. got his it. name on it. What's it like, Jeff? Session ale. Yeah, it's more of a. Um, I suppose it's probably a bit colder than it should be. Okay. It's supposed to be sort of room temperature, and it's a bit chilly, mm. which is fine. It doesn't bother me, but I think it should be a bit warmer. Uh, yeah, it's, it's nothing really to, to say about it. It's a little bit creamy, a little bit aily. It's, it's fine. Very fine. First mm. time we've seen you since. Well, you've been to Lisbon since we've since a month ago. Yeah, I think it was yeah, a month ago. About a month, isn't it? I think. Yeah. We're in Cardiff last time, weren't we? We were. So you were about to do a couple of sessions in Lisbon. How did that I go? was. Yeah. Um, it was all right. Did you want to wait to all the food? Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. No, that's okay. That yeah, a, give me a shout. We're ready. That's no problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. Yeah, Lisbon was. Yeah, I was prepping for that, and uh, it went okay actually. It was. I had two sessions. Monday and Wednesday. I was a little bit disappointed with the numbers on the Wednesday session, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, but that's typical of day three of a conference, I Quite think. Quite a small gathering in general, wasn't it? Yeah. It was odd. It was the first in-person gathering, scrum, global scrum gathering since, since the pandemic, um, since COVID. I think they're anticipating... No, I think the problem was they had a booking with a venue for numbers that they planned with post, sorry, pre-pandemic. Right. So they're expecting over a thousand there, I think. And in truth, in reality, only 500 people were at this one. Oh, so I heard that they actually limited the tickets to 500. I don't, I don't, don't know that. I think, well, certainly the venue could have taken a lot more. Mm. A lot more. Um, it was, I mean, it was too big, really, for, for what it was. Okay. And acoustically, the, the size of the venue was was a problem in some of the rooms were so big and so the ceilings were so high you couldn't the noise just built and built and built with the, the hum of the noise and the scrum alliance made some odd decisions to bring in like music and bands like a, a full samba band okay. into, into like an aircraft hangar and the, and just your ears were you couldn't talk hold a conversation with the person next to you because it was, it was so noisy so just some odd choices on entertainment and Room, room choices um, but my in, in reality my sessions went okay um, I paired up with Yona Rents who did the first session on the Monday that was well attended one of the first 
sessions in the morning, I think it was, um, that went well on, well attended on storytelling. That was good. And I basically did, that was very much her her agenda. She ran that one, which was quite well received. Well received. So she um, she took a round of applause for her first speaking gathering, which was uh, which was nice for her to get that under her belt. So and then my session uh, on the Wednesday, like I said, I think I was hoping for a few more people there, but it was one of those. Uh, sessions where I think on day three a lot of people had either left the conference early or had uh, maybe enjoyed a bit more of a, a day out in Lisbon rather okay. than to attend the gathering. So my if I yeah I was hoping for a few more to attend my session on, on, on empathy. But it was it was still enjoyable. It was nice to be back in front of a, a live audience doing doing some improv stuff, which okay. is good. So mm. all in all I think for me the benefit the gathering's benefit for me was purely a, a one-on-one connections. I, in reality, being honest, I didn't gather gain much new knowledge or new ideas from the gathering itself. But that's not really why I attended. What were some of the? Do you know what some of the more popular sessions were? Just interested the kind of topics that were, that were there. Um, well, there was an interesting conversation in the open space around scaling. That was quite a well-attended talk. So Colin Bird and Matt Roadnight and a few others had some new ideas around scaling principles, which they're looking to formalise. Um, there was a, 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 just a real mixed bag of, of sessions, some around kind of a more remote. There was a lot of sessions around working in a remote sense, mm-hmm. about how to make remote work, working work for Scrum teams. Any interesting insights from that? Nothing. I don't think anything that I didn't already know. Like I say call it arrogant but I, did, I didn't really learn anything new from those sessions really I think for me the most interesting part of it was the open space which I know I know open space has a little bit of a split audience some people love it some people hate it for me this year was probably the most useful open space I think I've had um, and it was mainly driven out of the fact that I, I was seeking new knowledge around psychology and there was a, a, a session there run by Joseph Pelrine mm-hmm. and another CST who I can't remember the name of. She's just recently become a CST, um, who's also a trained, um, or training, a graduate psychologist, I think. So they ran a, a really interesting session on debunking um, psychology terms. Okay. So for me, as a, uh, I suppose my imposter syndrome, it helped me perhaps have, an, have an under, a better understanding about what psychology is and, and what I should be referencing and what I shouldn't be referencing and where I should go and where I shouldn't as a coach and that type of thing, know, knowing where the lines are and, and, and knowing where to tread carefully. So that was really interesting for me and I asked, I felt like I asked a lot of questions and drove a lot of that open space purely selfishly so I could, especially as I was giving a talk the next day on empathy, mm. I wanted, there was a lot of critique so some interesting stories came out of some of the keynotes. Um, so there was a keynote session on um, uh, power posing, or the the the, the, uh, mm. the the emotional intelligence was the theme of the the keynote about how to increase your emotional intelligence. Yes. And there was a reference to Amy Cuddy's work um, and power posing, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of. I think they made the mistake of opening it up on Slack at the end of it, and there's a lot of, because it was a hybrid yeah. keynote. 
so there's a lot of um, comments coming in on Slack about Cuddy's work and whether it was valid and, and whatever and, and this type of thing. So there was a, from what I gleaned from it, there was a, it was a very good keynote speaker. Right. But there was a lot of people in the audience that felt the keynote speaker understanding of emotional intelligence was poor oh. or was was a little bit um, superficial. Okay. And again, so that gave rise to this whole this the, the subject of psychology came out of that in terms of. Um, having a better understanding of emotional intelligence. And I suppose, for me, that really got my put my guard up because I was doing a session the following day on mm. emotional intelligence and empathy. I wanted to have a good understanding, a, a firm... Not, I didn't want to be uh, critiqued, but I, I didn't mind being critiqued, but what I didn't want to do was to, was to make false claims or to claim false, false studies. So... I sat with lunch, for lunch with Joseph and basically yeah, just had a long chat with him about psychology and okay. he's got some very interesting, um, obviously a very clever man and uh, well versed in the arts of psychology and things like that. So it's quite it's some quite interesting. Um, it's a fascinating subject for what me. What kind of uh, topics you say were debunked the terms? Um, what is it? Well, the, around this the whole the cognitive empathy element of this. So for me, I had a lot of pushback in a previous talk about um, cognitive empathy, especially in neurodiversity and mm. how those things are, are intertwined and not... I think I was guilty of oversimplifying okay. that field. For neurotypical audiences? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what I didn't appreciate and what I wanted to got a much better understanding of is that it's a very complex... Uh, continuum mm-hmm. about it's not it's not perhaps as cut and dry as I was, I was making out and that I assumed so it's a hugely complex area that mm. I, was, I wanted to you know kind of um, correct that I suppose mm. and, um, and and correct some of my my understanding my materials around that um, yeah and even like Daniel Goldman's work they were they were quite critical of Daniel Goldman's work saying that Goldman's very much made a lot of money out of his books mm. about the uh, the pop the pop the pop culture aspect of, of psychology the, okay. the, the popular stuff. Whereas there's a lot of nuance in it, a lot of different thinking from from um, different authors. I was recommended a book, um, uh, the Atlas of the Heart, Brené Brown. Okay. So that's so again, um, I've got that on my list. Again, because I, I just find it a, a really interesting area to, to expand my knowledge of. Okay. And I feel I can... I also want, so wanted to... The subject of, of um, psychology and coaching came up, and therapy. A lot of people talked about therapy. And I know it's come up in a lot of courses mm. that we would run before. Uh, I still get it now that people, when we're in an advanced course, when we're doing some coaching sessions, people say, oh, this feels like therapy. And I wanted. I asked Joseph about well, what's the difference, and what's the when should when when to know to know when to stop, when to step away. Mm. And again, it was this. I feel terrible. The lady's name who um, who I spoke with about this. Uh, she was carrying. She had a baby. She she was brought the baby to the conference, okay. which was lovely. Um, again, I'll, I'll reference her name in the in the comments when I can find it afterwards. But she was saying she summarised it quite nicely for me. But she said, well. Therapy tends to be when when you feel that you're emerging things from the past Mm -hmm. that are affecting decisions, but coaching tends to be much more again more future focused, Mm -hmm. more about positive 
looking into the future yeah. about positive uh, adjustments going forward, whereas therapy tends to be dragging issues from their past that affects, affects their ability to make decisions now. So, again, I think for me that just made me have a, a better understanding about where to stop Mm-hmm. Where where I feel the line is, if if we're crossing over into elements of the past that I don't feel equipped to, to deal with, yeah. is to know when to say, okay, I'm tapping out, mm-hmm. I'm out of this as a coach. So that was interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything interesting else that came out of that open space session itself. Some of the terms, empathy was one. Psychological safety was another. And, so, and diversity, cycle, um, cogn- cogn- cognitive diversity, I think they summarised that. So to prevent groupthink, you've got to have a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, else you'll end up in a, a focus group all agreeing on the same things. Yep. So an understanding of emotional intelligence, intelligence is that understanding the, di- the cognitive diversity, other people's perspectives. Yeah. And for me, that was the most, the biggest takeaway. But that was probably tailored towards the fact I want, I knew I wanted to get out of it. I was, I was looking to correct something that was happening the next day. Yeah. So for me, that was valuable. Good. Good. But the open space was in a terrible, terrible venue. Mm. It was basically an aircraft hangar. You might have seen me. I put some pictures of it on Twitter, but it was the big, like, a, like an aircraft hangar. You could have got easily got a seven, seven three seven in there. It was, it was big enough. But you had, I'm not sure how many seats arranged in a circle, but it was just, it's just the seats were dwarfed by the size of the area and they kept all the breakout spaces in the same place. Mm-hmm. So you were dealing with the acoustics of an aircraft hangar when you're trying to have conversations close, close to you. So it was, unfortunately, I think a lot of people were left with the, the ringing in their ears of the venue rather than of the, the information that they got from it. That's a shame. Yeah. And, he, and the Monday, uh, Monday Mingle is always the, the, the social networking event. And they'd even put that in a very acoustically poor venue in the centre of Lisbon. A high-ceilinged, very loud um, music venue where you couldn't have a whole conversation. So networking was basically redundant. OK. Because you couldn't hear... A lot of people actually went outside mm. uh, in the rain because it was easier to talk than it was inside the venue. So some poor choices uh, logistically there, I think. But it, for me, it was just nice to shake hands and hug with people that mm. I hadn't seen for a long, long time. So, cool. especially the Scrum Alliance. Um, some people who we've known for a very long time that uh, were very pleased to see us all again. So mm. it was nice. Yeah. New, new CEO. Much to report on that? Well, not a lot, really. Um, Tristan Boutros was... Uh, unveiled and, and uh, showcased as the new CEO but we don't really know what his thoughts he didn't give much away what his plans are he's still very much in that new uh, consolidation period of trying to look, understand the the, uh, the layout and the environment that he's working in I think the landscape so we'll see what comes in the next next couple of months he did give away we kind of pressed him on time scales when do we expect to see something happen some some uh, something tangible be delivered mm. by the Scrum Alliance and he his I think he was backed into a bit of a corner and he said 12 months 
and that kind of got everyone's back up thinking well, we're, we're an agile company espousing agile principles yeah. and yet we're saying we can't deliver anything for the next 12 months mm. a value because they've been in well nothing's been happening for a while have they because they've been well exactly they're, they're kind of stagnated as, as an organisation mm. so I think that that um, surprised people and I think he probably of all the numbers he picked he picked the wrong number um, a big number rather than a smaller number so yeah I think it's going to be a fast a, a, a steep learning curve for him but I think he knows what he's dealing with now in terms of a very passionate and dysfunctional community of guides particularly at that level who have a lot of strong ideas about where they want the the company or the, the organisation to go it's an interesting choice of word there community community of guides you think there's a community I think there is and there isn't. I think I think you've got a lot of closely connected people, but you've also got a lot of ed- agenda uh, within. I don't think everyone wants the same thing. Um, I think there's a lot. There's a difference of opinion. There's a lot of a lot of people that don't um, vocally talk about what they're doing or mm-hmm. what they want. Um, so I think I think it is a community. You've got you're always in a community. You're always going to have more vocal members than others. But I think I don't think we have a, as a community know what we want collectively. Um, but we are from the Scrum Alliance. We're a major stakeholder in their uh, their products because the, the guide community provide the, the Scrum Alliance with a lot of revenue terms of fees and in terms of memberships we're driving a lot of that how how would you see so described about the venue yeah not being necessarily appropriate for its purposes how would you summarize that I don't know where I'm going with this um, so you saw people having to effectively go outside rather than stay in where they were supposed to be mm. they had to sort of go outside of the rules is the wrong word but you know outside of the process they had to work create workarounds rather than yeah. it, it being a smooth intuitive process the reason I'm, I'm, I'm asking is um, doing a lot about something that in the well, it actually has different definitions, but parallel processing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it has different definitions is quite interesting. But how I often refer to it is if you observe something. So we, we've done an exercise before where we will uh, we'll give groups an exercise and we will just observe them mm-hmm. and, and play back our observations. And quite often what, what we see there is, is symptomatic of what goes on outside of yeah. the exercise. Um, and... I just wonder whether what was going on in that microcosm, that gathering, was actually symptomatic of the Scrum Alliance, you know, in general, mm. extrapolation. So it has good intentions and it has um, a lot of good stuff about it, but actually it, it doesn't... It required people to go outside of the process rather mm. than having a, something there that facilitated what it intended to facilitate. Mm. I'm not really making a lot of sense there, mm. but... Yeah, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean, and um, 
I can only really talk from my own perspective that I didn't I don't view the idea of the gatherings has changed even though the wording and the, the structure and the the format hasn't I think what people need to want to get out of them is probably different me, me as an example I just wanted to meet with and socialise with people that I haven't seen for a long time and, and people that you know are like me in that respect I think um, and for me that's the most valuable part and I know that's so for me and I always had a big problem with this and something we tried to change back in 2018 when we were involved with the gathering was the word gathering I think somewhat alludes to that gathering as a gathering as a way that people can reconnect if it's a, a learning forum that's different for me um, and maybe my advice to the scrum runners back then and what was, will still be the same now is why not separate the two have a the idea of the retreat, uh, which is something that they do use, um, keep the retreats, but but the gatherings have to be something different. They have to be a, a different forum, a different um, format, where you're there exclusively to learn, and and the the environment is set is tailored to learning. A bit like a, we we've talked about a TED event that I know other communities do this that. You don't have a choice on on the uh, on the the talks. This is you, you pay for a seat mm. and you sit in that seat. And we know that this stuff's good for you. We'll yeah. we'll 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 curate this stuff because we know it's good for you, for a scrum masters or good for product owners or, mm. or whatever. And I think that could be a much more direct way of of having that learning uh, mechanism offering that, that learning mechanism to, to, to create and inspire people. If you want to have a connection event, hold it in a different venue. Yeah, so put it yeah, in a lot of, a smaller, uh, more inclusive place where people can have smaller conversations on small tables rather than trying to have, you know, a conference hall with a hundred tables in it. Yeah. Where people, and you see it, people sat on their own on a table it's not, it doesn't encourage you to go and sit with them. Mm. And some, I think some community members are better at it than others. Um, about trying to engage with, with people that perhaps haven't been to these events before. So mm. it's... it's um, you do... And I know the Tim Harford stuff about networking is that even when people are told this is a networking event, you still gravitate towards people that you know. Yeah. And I think that happened to a degree. And people will splinter off and go for dinner together yeah. with, with people they know. They know, and I think that again is symptomatic of what happens on a larger scale outside of the gathering. There's, and which is why I was drawn to that word community because I, it's been a long time since I've considered that group to be a community. I think there are many multiple mini communities within that, rather than one compelling. I think there's regional communities. Is it split by region? I don't think it's necessarily split by a gender or purpose, but I see it's been split by region or countries or whatever you want to say, or demographics or... But that's what's... I don't know if the Scrum Scrum Alliance has given that community something to collectively buy into, Mm. a direction, uh, an agenda, an objective. 
they've got some fairly broad vision statements, which we can all kind of, of course, buy into, but there's nothing really specific or meaty to, to tangibly grow around. Mm. Interesting. I think just as a, as a general coaching approach, coaching technique, that reflection and, and playing back of the observations of that microcosm to the to the you know if I was the new CEO that would be I'd be observing what's going on there because that would tell me a lot about what goes on yeah outside of that situation out of that context um, and so you know are we actually are we sending out mixed messages are we trying to create uh, an environment for commu- communication where actually we don't we can't hear each other mm. um, are we getting into some meaty topics are we talking about an educational event where people aren't actually create, come up with anything new mm. what, what's, what does this tell me about our wider purpose about our wider behaviours and that's just one you know one interpretational definition of that parallel processing term you, know, you see a lot of scrum masters who just go through a retrospective and, and focus on the surface level um, learnings or impediments rather than actually looking at what's going on in that retrospective session playing back what they're observing and, and seeing actually a representative of the typical dynamics that you see within the team. Mm. Um, it's, it's, a really, it's a really powerful... I think it's a very different leadership style, isn't it? For, so when you have the job title CEO, I think there's an element there that people are expecting you to know what the answer is to the problem, to know what the, how we should work, to tell us what we're doing wrong. Mm. That's a very different reflective style to say, this is what I'm seeing right now. This is what, this isn't the answer, but this is what I can see in the organisation. I think it's quite powerful, but I think potentially it's quite um, different and quite risky, if, especially in an organisation where they feel they're rudderless, they feel that they need steering and they, and they need direction and strategy. Um, I admired him. Do you think that, that's the general feeling? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think I think they feel that they're rudderless as an organ. That I shouldn't. That's I've got to own that. I feel rudderless as a as a member of that organisation. I don't think we really know where we're going. What we're it's, trying to achieve. It's been a long time since I've been really in there, so I can't own this myself. But my my interpretation is that if you polled a hundred members of that and I or air quote community, mm. I think. A significant proportion of them would probably agree with you, mm. but I think a significant proportion would would disagree with you, and I think that that's for me one of the things that's stopping me from defining them as a community. Mm. And just realise, you know, the fact that I use the word them rather than us, mm. um, which I didn't realise until that word came out of my mouth, that makes me think I don't feel myself as part of that community anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I now reflecting, I think I, I was kind of hopeful that you would come back from Lisbon, enthused and engaged and positive, um, because I've, we've seen I don't know how many <coughs> changes of leadership. Yeah, and even if you look back at some of the I say worst leaders yeah 
there's usually been a nice warm fuzzy honeymoon period of oh yeah okay yeah I didn't get that sense no okay there was there was much more of an element of let's let's wait and see let's see what what this guy can Tristan can um, can provide or can so there wasn't any sort of this is different now something's changed no, I okay. didn't get that sense. Well, this is not a false claim or a false feeling, but no. Again, I should say, yeah, this is all my very much my opinion. This isn't mm. the opinion of the whole community, but it's just what I read and what I gleaned from uh, being sat in a, ret- in a CST retreat for four to five hours, I suppose. It was also a hybrid event, which for me always How did is that difficult. Work? How, so, how were the two groups? So we had had a, an open Zoom call with on a, on projected onto a screen where we could see, I'd say, twelve the, the, at best, twelve different members of, of the CST guide community who were encouraged to ask questions and, and contribute. But again, if you've been on the receiving end of that, where you are on Zoom and everyone else is in person, you had cam- cameras you could see the room, and everyone was mic'd up. Um, and you can see the reactions of people online and they can vaguely see the reactions of, of us in the room. They never really, I don't think, get the full potential for either party. It's, it's just a, a little bit of a compromise for both, I think. And I, that would be my feedback to the Scrum Alliance is I don't think hybrid worked for that type of session. I think you can make them two different things. Um, either. That, that, again, that, that for me is another split in the community and I think uh, this is this is a big 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 topic not just for the Scrum Alliance but for any organisation that's trying to how, how to deal with these types of hybrid events it's a big challenge now uh, who was I talking to about this can't remember but the idea of necessity driving innovation mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it's easy for me to say if I'd have been involved in that organising committee I would have had Oculus headsets for every person mm. who was there mm. um, so that everyone was effectively virtual mm. I would be having that yes the, you, the people that were there were in person but every person in person would be virtual mm. um, so you would bring it back to the lowest common denominator um, so that you had a level playing field. Mm. I don't know how many metaphors have I put in there? But the, <clears throat> do you know what I mean? That well, I think a lot of people would disengage with that if they were given that, and they turned up to the physical. Awesome, but it, I, I'm not saying it would work. But I, I would. That's the kind of thing that I would be exploring. So you, you would have the ability to go out for drinks afterwards when you take your headset off. Mm. Um, but actually, when we're having an experience, a community experience, we're all in the same virtual room. Um, so no one has more of a, a sensory advantage over anybody else. No. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think, I, I think probably Mark Zuckerberg is hoping for, this metaverse, is that we're, you know, we're going to have all of our sessions in virtual reality. Mm. Yeah. Is that when I used to work at Nokia, this is after I left, and I'm pretty sure this is this is still the case, and this probably still does happen. But the uh, 
Rich, who was the effectively the head of the organisation, whilst he wasn't, I think he was back in the States, but he would, there'd be a segue in the office with an iPad on it and Rich's head nice. on, the, on the iPad. Just And he could control that. I don't know how it worked, but he'd see, he'd, he used to go up in lifts. He'd take the segue into a lift. And I suppose he'd have to wait there until someone would come into the lift so he could tell, tell them what floor yeah. to go on to. But he would be quite regularly seen on a Segway around the office, walking the floor, but virtually. That's quite... Um, uh, uh, I've got Westworld in my head, but yeah. it's not, not the right metaphor, perhaps. But it, but, but it just makes that whole thing more real, doesn't it? That you know, you're in a physical space. Obviously, mm. that, that gets extremely expensive. With, with hardware that yeah. you've got to supply. But again, that, that necessity will drive that cost down. Mm. Yeah, you think so. of how much money you're spending and not getting any value from it. Well, exactly. A massive venue that's only half filled or less than half filled, you're overpaying for that, I imagine. The marginal cost of having some hardware sits. Yeah. You rent them, I don't yeah. know. Maybe another. But these, yeah, still things we had teething problems with, microphones going wrong and... and audio, visuals not working. So, right, to take this even further, and it's yeah. me being harsh, right? But I would be expecting, so you said about him, him coming up with 12 months, we're an agile organisation, we should have a smaller number than that. As an agile organisation, I think they should be experimenting, I think they should be trialling different things, they should be you know, at the bleeding edge of this stuff, uh-huh. and trying to, how, how, do we, how do we role model remote first collaboration mm. yeah, rather than doing what everybody else does yeah. Um, yeah that that well we're going to try this might not work mm. but we're going to in fact do you know what we're going to try multiple things mm. and some of them might not work but role modelling that agile approach of test and see and get mm. some feedback but it sounds to me like it was every other gathering but with a a screen of people on Zoom yeah um, and that would probably be what what disappoint me the most. I'm not saying I would necessarily be able to do that any better, but that would be my expectations. That would be my hopes for an organisation living its values. Mm. I agree. But it's very much the, the uh, cookie cutter approach to gatherings has been in place for ten years, I'd say. And there's probably a lot of that that is still incredibly relevant and valuable. Mm. I'd be interested to see the feedback on the usefulness of the format, of the sessions, the quality of the speakers. And but if you're going to start from scratch, yeah. how much of that would be invented again? Yeah, that, that, that's an interesting question to ask. Mm. Or not an interesting question to ask, but an interesting outcome to explore or compare, maybe. But, hmm. okay. it's, a big investment. it's a big investment of money. You're asking people to... A, Attendees was, I think, close to a thousand dollars. I think, close to, maybe more. Um, but it's a big, it's a big chunk of money for people to to invest three days of their time in. Absolutely, and it should be, it should be valuable. So yeah. It's got to be value, and yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm sure an organisation that that big, the Scrum Alliance, if they reached out to a number of startups you know, oh. who are, there must be thousands of startups in this space who are trying to enable remote collaboration oh. so that what have you got oh. what could we test oh. and I'm 
sure some places they would they wouldn't even charge for the headsets, so they just bring them along, right? So they could have tested a lot of stuff without a huge amount of exposure. Well, yeah, as a, as a way as a way to market their ideas. Yeah, partnership, and if it, if it works, look, they've got all these change agents who are going to all these organisations. It's interesting because all the sponsors for the event were largely agile consultancies, mm. which again tells you, oh, are we preaching to the converted? Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to encourage the wrong audience to inspire these events interesting so in in summary pretty much the same as any other gathering you might have attended nothing new in terms of structure or content but needed for me to feel for me it was needed on the back of a pandemic Mm. as a a reconnection event it was I selfishly I I always speak I was speaking so I was looking to get something out of that and that's all good for my own personal brand or whatever but for me personally I was mainly there to socialise with people Mm. selfishly and was so apart from the fact that it was too noisy to have a conversation Mm. was was there still that yeah, well, when, again, when, you, when people chose their own paths and, and, okay. and picked their right own... off-road. Yeah. It, it worked for those people. And I, I sat down and chatted over lunch. Yeah, spot, spontaneous kind of lunch chats for an hour, two hours, two and a half hours. Just shooting the breeze. Is that a phrase? Yeah. Yeah, so just... just, just Chewing chat. the cud. Yeah. And that's not... I didn't feel the need to, to curb the conversation because I wanted to get to the session. I felt this is more important to me now. This chat yeah. is more important to me than that session. Okay. Or browse. It didn't make it easy, in retrospect, to find, find the venue, the rooms. Mm. They were hard to find. But equally, find the content that you wanted was right. harder. So I've got a lot of... I, could, I personally feel I could make that whole thing a lot better, that yeah. product a lot better. Um, which we tried in 2018, fell on deaf ears. But so was it best yeah. in 2018? No, in my opinion, no. But that, I'm biased because I was I was behind the, uh, the the driving force behind 2018. But mm. No, I don't think so. So it hasn't it hasn't pushed on. No. Mm. Oh well. Oh. That was a that's a bit of a sad one, wasn't it? No mind, no mind. Melancholy. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just interesting. Mm. What's also interesting is I have an empty glass, so... I do, yeah. I do not. Cheers. Cheers, all. Cheers, all. See you soon. See you at Christmas. Is it Christmas yet? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Watch this space. And on that note, <laughs> on that note, won't be long until our special announcement. Mm. <laughs> See you soon, everyone. See you Cheers. soon.